0: You are not born with diseases that you are going to develop no matter what. You are not predestined to develop the vast majority of the diseases that you could develop, but you have a predisposition. You have a genetic code that you carry and these gut bacteria have the ability to influence the expression of your genetic code. And this is the reason why the way that you live the way that you eat can make a huge difference in whether or not you develop heart disease or cancer or stroke or all of these different things. We don't need to make this more complicated than it needs to be. It's incredibly simple. Eat your fruits and
1: vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. That's gastroenterologist Dr. Will Bolsowitz, or Dr. B. And this, and this is episode 140 of the Proof Podcast. Pleasure to be back here with you again. I hope that you've been keeping well and are happy and healthy. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I'm your host, Simon Hill. And by way of background, I am a nutritionist, physiotherapist, and author. Each week on this show, I release two episodes, one with a guest, a long format conversation, and then a more condensed Wednesday Wisdoms episode midweek the former giving us an opportunity to dive deep into new topics and themes and the latter providing a nice format for refreshing our knowledge on an important area of health and wellness today is a wednesday wisdoms episode with my good friend and new york times best selling author dr will bolsowitz if you're interested in learning more about gut health our microbiome what it is how to strengthen it, and much more, then I'm absolutely certain you'll enjoy this dose of wisdom. Speaking personally, I still find it absolutely mind-boggling to know that the 37 trillion microbes in our gut outnumber, outnumber our own human cells, each of whom have their own needs, needs which if not met through our lifestyle behaviours can lead to loss of health. So find a quiet spot, and get comfy. It's time to hear a truckload of wisdom from Dr. Will Bolsowitz. I'll catch you on the other side. In line with the nutrition recommendations globally. To get your Essential 8 and Optimal Omega Plus, head to theproof.com forward slash friends and follow the link which will get you an extra 10% off your first order. That's theproof.com forward slash friends.
0: The gut microbiome is this community of living organisms. That have been with us since the start of human evolution. And this includes bacteria, yeast or fungus, viruses, and then something very interesting that we know almost nothing about, which is called archaea. Archaea are single cellular organisms that are different than the bacteria and the fungi. And they have been around for 4 billion years. You'll find them all over our planet, you'll find them inside of a volcano. That's how resilient these things are. And they live inside of us. And we know very little about actually what they're doing right now. But there is this community of these four general types of organisms, bacteria, fungi, archaea, and viruses that live inside of us in harmony, in balance. And they're there for a purpose. And when you hear about how big, how vast this is, they live in our skin, in our mouth, In women, they're inside the vagina. They basically carpet the entire body, and that includes the gut. And if you were to look at the colon, your large intestine, that, believe it or not, is the highest concentration of bacteria on literally the entire planet. I mean, you could take the gnarliest, most disgusting place that you can possibly imagine and you still have a higher concentration of bacteria inside of you, inside your colon. These are not passive bystanders here. They serve a purpose, they serve a critical purpose. And so they are actually incredibly involved, obviously, in the processing of our food. They are deeply involved in our metabolism. So let me give you an example. You can take a, uh, this, these are these studies, like, It's just crazy. This is hard to actually believe that this is true. But let me just tell you up front, they have reproduced this study a bazillion times. Like anyone who goes into a lab could do this. It's not hard to do. If you take an obese mouse and you transplant the gut bacteria from the obese mouse into a skinny mouse, you're not changing the diet. Like you're giving that skinny mouse the exact same food, the exact same calories, and the skinny mouse is going to become obese simply because you changed the gut bacteria. So our gut bacteria, I mean, we all know people who they can eat whatever they want and they're still skinny. And we know people who they really struggle. You know, maybe we don't give them enough credit for how hard they struggle to try to control what they eat, but they can't lose weight. And it probably relates back to these gut bacteria. They control the vast majority of our genetic code. 99% of the genes that you have our bacterial genes. 1% is human. 1% of your genes are human. 99% are your gut microbiome. About 15 years ago, a number of researchers around the world, for the first time, cracked the human genetic code. They were able to finally analyze our DNA in its entirety. And they really thought that once we do this, we're going to have it all figured out. This is, this is it. This is the end of the road. And it, the results have been incredibly disappointing. And the reason why is because you are not born with diseases that you are going to develop no matter what. You are not predestined to develop the vast majority of the diseases that you could develop, but you have a predisposition. You have a genetic code that you carry, and these gut bacteria have the ability to influence the expression of your genetic code. And this is the reason why the way that you live, the way that you eat, can make a huge difference in whether or not you develop heart disease or cancer or stroke or all of these different things. So let me give you an example. Let me talk about celiac disease for a moment cuz it's really cool. So for the people listening at home, I'm sure you have heard of a gluten-free diet. The people listening at home, and so gluten is found in wheat, barley, and rye, those three grains. And Celiac disease is a condition where people have an immune response to gluten. If they consume gluten, their immune system actually goes on the attack and starts attacking the intestine and tears it up. And it's a very dangerous thing because if you have celiac disease, you can develop cancer of the small intestine and that is unfortunately if you develop that, it's there's almost nothing that we can do. So those people need to go gluten-free on their diet. And celiac disease has been exploding if you look at the incidence in Western countries like the United States, like Australia, it has blown up in the last 50 years. We are seeing way more than we used to see. There is a researcher at McMaster in Toronto, in Toronto, Canada, who basically discovered that there are three criteria that you need to meet in order to develop celiac disease. You need all three. If you don't have all three, it's not going to happen. So number one, you need exposure to mm-hmm. gluten. Every single person growing up in my country and yours has been exposed to gluten. There's no one who is not. Number two, you need to have the genetics. Well, in the United States, and I would, I would bet it's probably exactly the same in your country. In the United States, one out of three people carry the gene for celiac disease. So one out of three people carry the gene, but only 1% actually develop the disease. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is number three, changes in gut bacteria when you change the gut bacteria to something that is unhealthy and we have a word for that which is dysbiosis when people develop a loss of balance of the healthy bacteria and they have dysbiosis it allows the genetic code to get flipped on so this gene gets flipped on and then they manifest celiac disease where now the immune system turns on this you know basically gluten and goes on the attack This world inside of us of gut bacteria is incredibly complex, and every single one of us has a gut bacteria combination that is essentially a fingerprint. It's unique. like You have your own pattern of bacteria, which is completely different than any single person on the entire planet. It's probably closest to your mom, but that being said, it's completely unique to you. And so our ability to understand this world where there may be anywhere from 300 to a thousand different species of bacteria inside of the body and how they interact with each other, it's very hard for us to do that. And so they haven't identified like, you know, someday I think there's going to be a test. You can look at someone's microbiome, look at the pattern and tell them whether or not they're predisposed to celiac disease or any other condition. Someday we're going to be able to do that, but we're not at a point where we can say it's exactly this, this, and this. And so that's where we need further research to really help us elucidate that. So celiac disease is an example of something where you may carry the gene, one out of three people do in the US, only 1% manifest disease, but that number is skyrocketing as we speak because there is an increased incidence of this dysbiosis or changes in gut bacteria. The immune system lives in the gut. 70% of your immune system, the defense against disease is in your gut. And that is where the immune system goes to learn what is good and what is bad. And it is separated from your gut microbiota, these bacteria is only separated from your immune system by a single layer of cells, smaller than a single follicle of hair from your head. And so they are that close together. It's like having a little rickety fence in between two parties, they're communicating with each other. They're talking to each other and they directly influence each other. And when you mess up the gut, when you damage these bacteria, you are damaging the immune system because they go hand in hand. And this is the reason why changes in gut bacteria, dysbiosis, have also been associated with so many different autoimmune diseases, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, multiple sclerosis, things that aren't even involved in the gut. Like multiple sclerosis or rheumatoid arthritis are connected back to these gut bacteria because that's where your immune system lives. And I'm sure that you've noticed that the immune, like there are a ton of autoimmune diseases exploding right now, not just celiac. You know, there are conditions that I treat that when you and I were kids didn't even exist. And I'll see them twice in the same day. Something called eosinophilic esophagitis did not even exist 20 years ago. And now I'll see it two times in the same day. It's crazy. So the immune system is deeply intertwined with your gut. And then the last thing that I wanted to point out, there's other stuff too that's less crazy, but you know, I like to focus on the wild stuff. And the last thing is your gut is really related to your mood. There's a reason why people that have digestive problems oftentimes also have anxiety and depression. It's not that anxiety and depression are causing their gut issue. It's very interesting. Irritable bowel syndrome is a huge problem in the United States. Like Tons of people have this. And the GI doctor community that I'm a part of, we always thought that the reason why these patients had anxiety and GI problems at the same time is we thought, oh my gosh, these these people are anxious, they're neurotic. And they're so neurotic that they make themselves sick and develop diarrhea and abdominal pain and all that. And actually, we were completely wrong. And this is where the science has shown us the truth, which is that 95% of serotonin, which is the happy hormone, is produced in the gut. 95%.
1: If you've tuned in to the many episodes I've done focusing on cardiovascular disease To optimize your health and longevity, your data tells the story of your health. With Inside Tracker, get to know your story and create a lifestyle that delivers better health for longer. Get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. To get started and redeem this offer, go to insidetrackercom forward slash Simon. That's insidetrackercom forward slash Simon. After the challenge, you'll retest your 10 biomarkers and see the proof of how powerful these science-backed habits really are. Head over to theproof.com forward slash living proof to download your zero-cost copy of the Living Proof Longevity Challenge today. That's theproof.com forward slash living proof. Look forward to joining you on this journey.
0: When I treat people for depression, I treat People for depression with something called a serotonin reuptake inhibitor, like Celexa, Zoloft, Paxil, and the names may be different in Australia, but you would think that by, you know, because we raise serotonin levels when we use those medicines, you would think that all the serotonin must be in the brain because I'm treating depression with this serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Only 5% is in the brain, 95% is produced in the gut. And the reason why that we've discovered is that. Serotonin sets the drum for motility in your gut. And so, you know, when serotonin is working properly, you have a good pace. But when things get thrown out of whack, you have too much serotonin, you get diarrhea. You have too little serotonin, you get constipated. And so, because serotonin regulates both mood and GI motility, we have discovered that the root cause of irritable bowel syndrome is these changes in gut bacteria that affect the release of serotonin which affects your gut and also your mood. We have discovered that people who drink too much and develop cirrhosis, it's because there's changes in gut bacteria. Mm-hmm. Fatty liver which is associated with type 2 diabetes, which is becoming the number one it's soon to become the number one cause of cirrhosis in the United States. Fatty liver is associated with changes in gut bacteria. The liver is not really connected to the gut. It's not part of the tube, if you know what I mean. Yet the gut bacteria down in the colon affect the manifestation of disease in the liver. And then there's all of these conditions outside of the gut that you would never think. But if you look at what's happening in modern society, in my country and in yours, you look at the diseases that are emerging and you think about them in the context of what's going on inside of us, inside of our gut. You start to realize that most modern diseases are related back to this. Coronary artery disease has been associated with changes in gut bacteria. Most types of cancers have been associated with changes in gut bacteria. Things that you would not expect, like Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's, autism, ADD, uh, attention deficit disorder, all of these conditions. I mean, what, how is that related to the gut? It is. Changes in gut bacteria. Through all of these different pathways where the gut is communicating to the rest of the body, that is the root cause of many of these conditions. Over the course of a lifetime, the biggest predictor of the health of your gut is going to be the food that you choose to eat. And what blows my mind is that you know, the average person, we eat about three pounds of food per day. And so if you do the math and you try to keep it simple, that is 1,000 pounds of food per year. The average person in the U.S. lives to be 78. It's probably pretty similar to Australia. You guys might be better than us. 78,000 pounds, 80,000 pounds of food during a lifetime. And we're going to pretend that those choices mean nothing. What happens is you eat this food. And again, we sort of touched on this earlier. The food goes down the tube and ends up being the source of nutrition for the bacteria inside of you. And the food choices that you make are going to determine the makeup of your gut bacteria. Show me someone's food choices, and I will tell them what gut bacteria look like. Show me their gut bacteria, and I will tell them what food they're eating. They go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. And we have a number of studies that have shown us the direction that we need to move from a dietary perspective. The number one predictor of a healthy gut is the diversity of the plants that you eat, the diversity of the plants that you eat. And so you know, going back to what do I eat at home? What do I eat with my kids? The diversity of the plants that we eat in our house is the number one goal that we have in mind when we sit down to have a meal at dinner time. It's not obviously every single meal that's like you know sixty plants, but we're just striving to try to incorporate different stuff. And we have studies that demonstrate differences between vegans and vegetarians and omnivores of different variety. And basically, I think that what we see, if you look at it, is that there is the spectrum of gut health. And on one end, the unhealthy end, is the American diet. 65% processed foods, 25% animal products, 10% fruits and vegetables. That's the American diet. That would be pretty much as healthy as you could possibly come up with. And on the complete opposite end, the healthiest would be a vegan diet. And there are actually data that suggests that there is difference even between vegan and vegetarian. Not ridiculous off-the-charts differences, it's a spectrum. And so people at home, when they're listening to this, need to choose where they want to live on that spectrum. There are many different types of fiber within plants. Within an individual plant, there will be many different types of fiber. And this is why the diversity of your plant consumption is critically important but what's fascinating is that you know even after I finished medical school and went through all of my medical training if you asked me a couple of years ago hey doctor B what's the deal with fiber I would have told you it goes in your mouth and it comes out your bum there was no concept in my mind that it was any different but that's actually not the truth fiber is fascinating because what happens is it survives digestion through the entire small intestine, and it arrives in the colon unchanged. And when it gets to the colon, it goes. It undergoes a transformation that the human body is not capable of doing. We rely on these gut bacteria to do this. They change the fiber into something called a short-chain fatty acid. So for anyone listening at home who's heard of butyrate, butyrate, acetate, propionate, Maybe you've seen supplements for butyrate. This is what we're talking about, is we're talking about short-chain fatty acids. And this, to me, is the most underrated thing in all of nutrition. Because if I were to look at the top 10 causes of disease in the United States and Australia, we would find that the vast majority of them could be improved with higher levels of short-chain fatty acids. They are directly tied to health. And they have all of these amazing, powerful characteristics. First of all, they are energy for the bacteria in our gut. This is their energy. This is going to make them strong so they can do their job, just like you need energy in food so that you can be strong and do your job. They are energy for our gut bacteria. The short-chain fatty acids actually communicate directly with our immune system and help it to do its job properly. They lower our cholesterol. They prevent diabetes. They actually prevent colon cancer. I could go down the line. There's so many different things that happens when you consume these short-chain fatty acids. But the bottom line is that there is this amazing, powerful relationship between fiber. And by the way, when I say fiber, I'm referring to specific types of fiber that are prebiotic, P-R-E, biotic. biotic. And these are the types of fiber that feed and nourish these healthy gut bacteria. And when you do that, you develop these short-chain fatty acids. And what we see are that people who have a healthy gut They consume plant foods. By consuming plant foods, you grow bacteria that are designed to process that type of food. And when they process that food, they produce higher levels of these short-chain fatty acids that allow the entire body to work the way that it's supposed to. And so here's something that's super interesting about these short-chain fatty acids is you can only get them by consuming plants. If you consume animal products, Those animal products are going to influence your gut to grow bacteria that they don't know how to to produce short-chain fatty acids. They're not designed to do that. You are growing bacteria that are designed to process fat. And this is the reason why the ideal diet is to maximize fruits and vegetables, because then you get more of these bacteria that produce short-chain fatty acids. Now, we all know, you know, that when people exercise, it's good for the body. Everything works better. you exercise. Not only do your muscles get bigger, but your waist gets thinner, your clothes fit you better, you look more fit. And also, your bowels work better. People poop better when they exercise. What's the connection there? Here's the answer. When people exercise, our studies show us that there's actually changes in gut bacteria. And the change is specifically that you get higher populations of bacteria that are good at producing short-chain fatty acids. So your body is giving you the advantage of these types of bacteria. Your body is showing you that there's an advantage to these types of bacteria, but you have to feed and nourish them. You can't produce short-chain fatty acids from animal products. It's not possible. It's literally impossible. I really believe that one of the points of emphasis is that we need to increase our fiber consumption. But when I say that, when I say fiber, I don't mean go and eat your like uh, cereal. Like I'm not talking about eating cereal. I'm talking about fresh fruits and vegetables. And if you look, the average person in the United States, the average woman, for example, consumes about 17 grams of fiber per day. That's average. That means that half the people are below that. There probably has not been a culture in human history with a number lower than that, honestly. I mean, it's, it's really actually kind of disturbing to think about how little fiber we are getting in our diet because we're not eating enough fruits and vegetables. And you go back to comparing this to human evolution, and you look at these tribal people that are in Tanzania that we were talking about earlier, all of those people are consuming 100 to 150 grams of fiber per day. They're potentially getting 10 times more fiber. Now, that doesn't mean to me that we need to each be consuming 100 grams of fiber per day. That's not what I'm saying. But in the United States, the recommendation is for a woman to get 25 grams of fiber and for a man to get 35 grams of fiber. I think those numbers are pathetically low. Honestly, I think that we should be striving for 50, 65, if not more. But you don't need to worry about the number, in my opinion. You just need to worry about eating more fruits and vegetables. We don't need complexity and we don't need to be focusing on lectins and phytates and all that stuff. Like, We don't we don't need to make this more complicated than it needs to be. It's incredibly simple. Eat your fruits and vegetables. And, you know, like I I know that you are plant-based and and I completely support a plant-based diet. But if there are people that are out there that are not ready to go that far, that's okay. Just work on it. Just work on it. Just move, work, walk down the path, which is exactly what you did and exactly what I did. Is you walk this path towards increasing the fruits and vegetables in your diet and you like it and you feel good. And next thing you know, you want more. If you look at what many people would widely consider to be the healthiest foods, they have a substantial amount of fiber. And so, for example, beans are among the healthiest foods on the entire planet. And what's amazing is they're not expensive. Like We need to take advantage of this before the food industry starts raising the price on us. I can tell you that the pharmaceutical industry would pay billions of dollars to be able to say that their drug makes people live longer, even by a couple months. Billions of dollars they would pay to be able to say that. And beans have the ability to extend people's lives. There are studies clearly showing that those that consume more beans live longer, improves heart disease, protects against cancer. You know, you just go down the line, there are so many things, lowers cholesterol, prevents type 2 diabetes. There's so many things. The point being that a huge part of the reason why beans are healthy is because they contain a complex amount of fiber. When fiber is processed, to a varying degree, it will produce gas because it is fermented. So the bacteria ferment the fiber and the byproduct of that is gas. We all recognize that beans make us pass gas or make us have more bloating, more gas. It's actually to your advantage. That is the fermentation process of prebiotics. Now, I'm not saying that you should go overboard and make yourself miserable. Moderation is a good thing. But the point is that that fermentation process with the bean that produces gas is the exact same thing that's producing your short-chain fatty acids that you want. It's a beautiful thing. On the flip side, other things like garlic, asparagus, chicory root, hickama, a lot of those things that I just mentioned. Like Most of us are not going to chew on a clove of garlic. Most of us probably eat asparagus once or twice a month. So don't feel like you are depriving yourself of what you need. The key, I think, is that all plant foods, all of them, contain fiber, every single one, to a varying degree. And when you consume a plant-focused diet, when you emphasize that as the way to health, you're going to get the advantage of all of those different types of fiber into your diet, as opposed to fixating on one particular type. Like for example, inulin is what is found in chicory root and jicama and asparagus. Inulin, and that is a specific type of prebiotic that has demonstrated health benefits. But there are who knows how many thousands types of health promoting fiber that exists in our plant food that we haven't even identified or studied yet. So don't worry too much about that one specific type. Focus on getting all of it just by consuming those whole foods.
1: There we go. I have a sneaking suspicion that might be a short episode people save and come back to. A good one to share with friends too who maybe haven't yet considered fully considered gut health and our microbiome and the role that gut health plays in our health. I really hope that you found it informative and helpful. If you did, both Dr. B and I would love to know your thoughts, would love to hear from you on the socials, tag us in your stories at theguthealthmd and at plant underscore proof. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Now, before I let you go and get on with your day, whilst on this topic of gut health, you are in for a real treat next week. Let me tell you that. Without giving away too much, it's a masterclass of sorts where we go deep and hear from multiple guests talking about this fascinating part of our body and how it relates to our health and wellness. I'm so pumped for you to experience it. So please do make sure that you are subscribed on the Apple Podcast app or following along on Spotify so that you're notified as soon as this episode is published. Lastly, did I hear you say you were looking for more recipes? Yes? No? Maybe? Can't hurt to have a few more ideas, right? That's why I created my completely complimentary meal plan, which you can get right now, literally right now, right this minute, At plantproof.com forward slash meal plan. That's plantproof.com forward slash meal plan. It's full, chock a block of professionally shot nutritious recipes, plenty of breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack ideas to keep you going. And if you like them, feel free to share them with your friends and your family too. All righty, we made it. How good. Thank you for hanging out with me all the way to the end here. I really do appreciate you, and I look forward to repeating this again in just a few days' time. Until then, remember, for good gut health, and to feel better for longer, more plants, my friends, more plants.